0: Rows of birch trees line your journey to the Hamden Rose Estate. Your driver smoothly and almost disarmingly drives up the road to the legendary property. You wonder at the angel statue in front, noticing its overarching size and graceful beauty. Once out of the car, you wander towards the angelic figure, not heeding an internal warning to avoid touching it. As you feel the torso, it seems to alter color. The bruisedish blue that greeted you appears to gradually meld into a scorched green, especially along the face. You stand back and stare at its posture. One wing dips, the other lifts. One arm reaches for an embrace. The other arm, with its hand of missing fingers, is a gesture of threat. You turn towards the house museum, which looks not only haunted, but shocked. Entering the celebrated writer's home in an almost careless way, You remark to yourself that you'll depart the place more respectfully later on. It turns out there is no later on.
1: Hello, everyone. Um, My name is Sarah Edmonds. I am editor-in-chief for Page and Screen magazine. I am here today with Robert Mm -hmm. Alexander Ray, Author of Willowside, which we had the honor of publishing in our second issue. Thank you so much for being here.
0: Yep, you're welcome. Thank you for for having me.
1: Absolutely, um, absolutely. Yeah. Now, if you don't mind, could you give us a brief blurb about what Willowside is all about?
0: Yes, um, I'll, I'll make it as brief as possible. It's essentially it's a dark comedy slash horror piece. And it's about a woman who visits the haunted estate of a famous writer, and by the end of it, finds herself translated, as it were. So, uh, essentially, it's about uh, a woman who's obsessed with this uh, this famous uh, uh, writer, not a not a real uh, writer, someone made up, uh, and she visits the estate uh to to attend a lecture there on on his work and during the course of her visit there um uh, runs up against various um scary incidents along the way in particular meeting a a certain scary woman who works at the estate and who turns out to be more than meets the eye by the end of it Uh, and uh and by translated, I mean, she finds herself uh, split off into, she's sort of fractured as it were, um, into three different uh, um, beings.
1: <laughs> so tell me a little about um, what inspired Willow Side and what your process was while you were writing it.
0: Yeah, uh, well, I've always been a big fan of horror, of uh, good horror films and, and books. Uh, I was a big fan of Stephen King since I was a kid, and I, I've always been obsessed with the genre. In fact, I, I remember being like nine or ten years old and, and turning my house into a haunted house uh, uh, in an effort to scare my mom. Um, I think she was more amused than scared, but, uh, but uh, nevertheless, uh, the, the impulse to, to fright and delight light with frights uh, was there from way back and um, in all the things I've written since I, uh, up until last year, I had not written a piece that was uh, a horror story or ghost story or anything of that <clears throat> that ilk really. And I was uh, just on reading a review of, um, of a play that was being done off Broadway in New York. I forget the title of it, but uh, apparently it was an effective horror play And I thought uh, it kind of, that sparked my desire to write one myself. And, uh, and as I do, whenever I write anything, I, I, I try to find what scares me the most. And I remember in particular, this story of uh, something called the Black Angel, which is located in a cemetery in Iowa. Uh, when I was getting my master's in playwriting at the Iowa Playwrights Workshop, uh, I heard about this black angel statue and and how it had various stories to it that were kind of spooky. And I even went to visit it one one day. and uh, i i I was kind of vague on what the stories were. i don't I didn't really know what the the curse was behind it and all that, but just that it was. And so, um, I went back to my journal page, uh, 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 uh when I, uh, describing my time spent there and just sort of used that as a sort of stepping off point, uh, to begin the, this piece. And so that was my, that was my impetus or beginning the story of this black angel statue and, and the process of writing the play was just me trying to figure out what the curse was and what the, uh what the story was behind the angel and what made it so, so frightening and so ominous and so mysterious. And so it's, a. I I generally use the kind of follow the yellow brick road approach when I, when I write, I you know I just put one brick and one step in front of the other and I, I just, I don't know what it's going to be until the very end. So it sort of just revealed itself, uh, to me as I, as I went along. And also I was, um, in a sort of mini Andre Tarkovsky phase, uh, uh this is like about a year ago i was watching his films i love his films uh one in particular is called uh, mirror uh, which has scary elements to it but it's very um it's sort of about this dying poet who looks back on his life um in childhood and adolescence and then where he's at currently um and i liked that structure and I, i i found uh, the images in the film very haunting, and so I definitely riffed off that uh, quite a bit in composing in composing is a, a huge debt to Tarkovsky that uh, that I owe um, in the writing of it. Uh, and some images in it are, are are sort of riffs on images that he he created as a director in that film. So the combination of me trying to write something that would genuinely genuinely scare myself along with uh, being inspired by uh, Tarkovsky's cinema is is really where it all came from and, and how it evolved and how it found its form.
1: That's great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Speaking of form and structure, Willowside is really, really interesting to read. It bounces back between second person, first person, third person, all of these different perspectives. and. Mm-hmm. I can really see that when you mentioned fractured being fractured coming through the structure, but how do you come to that? How do you start a story and approach it and be like, Oh, this part needs to be second person. This part needs to be first person. This part needs to be third. Is it kind of like that yellow brick road you're talking about or is there a different process?
0: It's kind of, kind of like the yellow brick road. It, um, I mean, I wrote that, that piece that I, the excerpt that I read was, um, uh, the true beginning of it. And so in me trying to figure out what the rest of the story was, uh, really by instinct, uh, it came to me that, uh, the story needed to be told from three different points of view instead of one point of view. Um, and, and at first it was, yeah, just truly that just instinct that was just, it just felt right and it felt like that was the way to go. I didn't figure out till the end why <laughs> I split up uh, the persona into three different uh, points of view but it um, 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 it all made sense to me you know uh, by the end but as I was going I, I wasn't quite sure where I was going with it I, I just knew that instinctually this was the way to tell this particular story. Um, Um, and, uh, so I just, I, I followed it. I just followed my gut, my instinct and, and hope that it would work out for the best.
1: (laughs) I definitely think it did. It did for sure.
0: (laughs) Thank you. And I think it might have to do with Tarkovsky as well. I, I don't, I don't, I wasn't consciously trying to mimic his structure. I mean, his structure in the film is similar in that, you know, it's divided into, these three timelines, you know, of, uh, as I said, childhood, adolescence, and then as an older man. Um, and so it, it, in terms of the fracturing of the points of view of first person, second person, third person, there's a, um, there's a, one can say that there's a, there's a similar, um, thing at work there. Um, but it didn't, uh, it didn't, didn't really clarify, uh, I, I, I wasn't able to clarify to myself um, how that was working or why I was doing that till the very end. And when I had the sort of aha moment, ah, that's, that's the product of the curse of how she's been destroyed. So hopefully I'm not giving away too much of the...
1: I think you're the, just making it sound more mm-hmm. intriguing, honestly. Oh, good, Yeah,
0: good. Yay, good. That's the goal.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. So you you mentioned taking inspiration from films, and I always find it really fascinating when authors take inspiration from different medias. Like if you're writing a play and you take an inspiration from a poem or from a film, mm-hmm. it's the structure and the actual form of those things are so different yeah hearing you talk about this film and the perspectives in your work there's obviously a correlation now do you have you being able to see that does it come from work in other medias does it come from background of other medias or do you just love all love them all
0: (laughs) yes i love them all um I've gotten much, much, much inspiration from, you know, books and music and, and film, of course, and theater, uh, poetry. Um, uh, I mean, sometimes the, I don't know, the the thing for me that turns me on the most is structure. Perhaps I get turned on by, by messing around with form and, uh, seeing what kind of sparks that can ignite, uh, in terms of uh, how it affects content Um, and uh, which is not to say that sometimes content can be uh, inspiring sometimes i'll hear a line someone will say something in real life that'll spark something and i'll want to follow that for a while Uh, but mostly i just i get turned on by um, the architecture of of works of of how something is expressed as well as what is being expressed, um, but the vehicle used is what what always uh, catches my attention, and I like things that are just you know different that 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 don't that are sort of new new dimensions, new spaces, new rooms to play in, as opposed to uh, the same old, same old, whatever that means, you know. Uh, that always bores me. So I I just like to explore unknown territory and, and having and developing structures that I don't think exist anywhere else, except in my own man, in my own imagination is, is what I like to do. You know, if I I think David Bowie said, uh, uh, as an artist, you know, if you're, if you're, uh, he used the analogy of being submerged in water, and if you're, if your feet can't quite touch the bottom, um, that's when you're in great territory, or that's when you're in exciting territory, you know, when you're sort of out of your depth, uh, because that's where uh, the magic happens, you know, when you're going beyond your conscious, Conscious abilities and tapping into something bigger than yourself, you know, uh, which is where imagination comes into play. Uh, you, your imagination and unconscious or super conscious is a lot wiser than I think your conscious. <laughs> but, but they both work in tandem. <laughs> it's hard to write unconsciously.
1: <laughs> I feel like that would make things easier. <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean, you can try, you can approach it. Kerouac came close, I guess, with his stream of consciousness, you know, just writing, 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 writing. I think someone called it derisively, uh, his writing is typewriting, basically. Uh, um, but I love Kerouac, I think he's great. And uh, and uh, it just feels really alive. You know, you, you feel that, that energy of just going forward, going forward, going forward, and not necessarily knowing where you're gonna land, but you're just going, you know. And, I find great artists uh, all from all, all mediums, whether it's painting or music poetry, that's, that's, there's, there's times in their lives when they're just going, you know, and, and creating at a, 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 at warp speed beyond uh, their own. I don't know if will is the right word, but they're in touch with something that's greater uh and it's and it's uh it's fun when that when that happens you know when you're exploring the unknown going into uncharted territory that's uh that's the best (laughs) where no no man has gone before as they say i
1: agree it makes it so much more fun (laughs) yeah 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 um so tell me a little bit about how you got your start in writing what what brought you here
0: (laughs) (laughs) uh, um well i've i've been writing since i was a kid since i was in first second grade uh i would write plays and skits and poetry um and uh i would put on plays for my you know my my family uh to perform and um so the impulse uh, to capture what was going on in my head in, in written form was there f- from early, early, early times. And it's uh, it's an impulse that has never left me. Uh, uh, I still get that same unadulterated pure joy and, and uh, uh, from the act of it. Um, and uh, so I find it a very vital, component of making sense of life. Uh, there's a certain wisdom that sort of organically kind of rears its head when you take time to write things down, um, as opposed to just thinking or meditating on things, uh, which is great too. But uh, there's a certain, I guess, motor control when your whole body is engaged in putting words onto paper. Uh where you can almost reveal yourself to yourself and and gain insights that normally you would not have if you hadn't taken the time or the effort to put that kind of attention on something um, it's it's the meaning of mind and matter I guess in a certain sense because it's it's very physical as well as mental and so that's a, uh, that's always been a necessary activity for me to, to stay sane and I often find when I'm writing things, I'll, uh, after the fact, um, I will be amazed at what it reveals to me, you know, about where I was at at the time, or what, what was going on with me, or what certain, even lifelong issues I'm, I might have, uh, What what's up with that, and uh, it really does put, put a light on on things that usually remain dark, you know, when you don't give them any attention. So, uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's nece- almost as necessary as breathing in a way, to a certain degree. Uh, but uh, but yeah, I've always loved writing and I love writers and, um, you know, love getting lost in books and, and luckily I still have that desire to create such great stories you know that people can get lost in you know I, I love being able to do that for others as well as have it being done to me <laughs> whether it's Jane Austen or Emily Dickinson or Shakespeare or Chekhov or George Saunders uh, to name a, a more recent uh, writer who I love and adore and get inspired by <laughs>
1: Speaking of still feeling inspired, inspired, Mm -hmm. I know you have a play coming out. Yes, yes,
0: (laughs) yes, speaking of which, uh, yes, it's a it's a one person show um, called Looking Glass Elegy," And it's essentially about a film location scout who's trying to make sense of existence. Um, And uh, uh, similar to Tarkovsky in a way, kind of, uh, there's, there's four different storylines that, 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 the that the location scout, his name is George hopscotch is between, um, um, uh, and it also involves music, live music. Uh, there's a jazz musician who will be on stage playing along sort of having a conversation in a way with, with the main speaker. Um, but it's just a non, non-linear narrative of, uh, of this person's recollections. And, and mostly it's about him trying to confront and uproot the source of a very particular sadness that he carries with him. And trying to let go of uh, um, death is a big part of it. At the still center of the play is uh, the figure of death, which figures into all the storylines of, of the piece um but there's a big uh, uh and there's a lot about art the healing power of art so much is made of of that you know uh, uh, there's an actor that he meets there's a painter that he meets and there's a especially a dancer that he meets and comes to know and and love uh who uh, who he misses greatly <laughs> and which is one of the main reasons he goes mm-hmm. the Tells this tale that he does. Uh, uh, a lot of it's in tribute to this to this dancer who's no longer around. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's a, yeah, it's kind of experimental, and hopefully it works. Uh, we have our first rehearsal tonight. What is this, April 11th, and uh, and with the musician, and we open on May 18th. And we run for one weekend only at Live Arts Theater in Charlottesville, Virginia. Uh, it might be recorded. Hopefully it will be uh, available to stream. Um, um, I hope, um, but it's called Looking Glass Elegy. And if you just Google Looking Glass Elegy, you'd be able to find out if you can uh, stream it or not. Um, so uh, so yeah, if you're in Virginia, come on by. Uh, May eighteenth, nineteenth, and the twentieth.
1: Sadly, I will be waiting for the stream, but hopefully, okay. someone listening out there is from Virginia and will go yeah. see it because that sounds amazing. I love yeah. again. You have this incorporation of all of these different mediums and nods to artist, musician, film. I love that. I love mm. the combination of all that. It sounds so oh, cool.
0: cool. Uh, thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. yeah, hopefully, it all works. There's a lot of elements that I'm juggling you know with the uh the music the acting you know the words the lighting the production elements uh, the story itself all of that you know hopefully it all comes together and creates like a nice uh moving amazing experience for the audience <laughs>
1: absolutely absolutely i always find it fascinating going from writing Plays to producing plays, like yeah. all of the moving parts. There's so much involved, and it all just yeah. works together, and when it does, yeah. it's amazing.
0: Yeah, yeah. There's something magical about it. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a great, it's a great process to be a part of, and um, yeah, definitely, yeah. Something miraculous about it, how that happens. It's one of the main things I love about theater is the collaborative, the collaborative aspect of it. You know. And, other people put their imaginations to helping, helping something get realized and concretized uh, uh, in in quote unquote real life, you know, for others. It's a, it's a powerful, beautiful thing, especially when it works. (laughs) Last
1: question. Big question. What is your number one piece of advice for writers out there?
0: I hope people, you know, it's, these are, tough times to be a writer uh there's so much in the air that is censorious and you know there's such pressure to be politically correct these days and not to be um, you know people i don't know uh uh with the book banning and all these kinds of uh, just autocratic uh impulses that seem to be infiltrating our culture are uh, something to definitely work against as a writer, as a writer, you know, a real writer, I think you have a duty to speak truth to power and hopefully writers out there will continue to write what they feel and not what they, you know, quote unquote ought to write uh, to make people happy and not disturb them too much. Uh, I think it's important to be a, uh, to be a voice in the wilderness for truth and for looking at the hard things to look at and addressing the issues, you know, of our time that many people would like to just sweep under the blanket or under the rug. Uh, so for all the writers out there that uh, that have something to say, say it and don't hold back. Uh, it's your voice, you know, and it's what makes you unique and uh you know uh fight the power. <laughs> this public enemy once said, mm, fight the power that be. Uh, uh it's it's important, I think. Yeah. Stick to your guns. Otherwise the work is not alive. And that's the ultimate final test of any any work of art, no matter no matter the medium. If it's not alive, you know, it's dead. And uh The only way it's alive is if you're putting your real soul and self and feelings and emotion and intellect into it, you know, without um, censoring yourself or judging yourself, you know. And ultimately, it can help others, you know, others that are that are having a hard time facing certain things, you know. If you take that step and face it, you know, you can can have a very not that not that you're trying to be altruistic or save the world but um you never know how you know the, the good you can do by by being honest <laughs> with yourself and your work you
1: know? <laughs> that's gorgeous advice honestly yeah. <laughs> <laughs> gorgeous
0: fun talking to you,
1: you know? absolutely thank you, you know. so so much for doing this truly thank
0: um, you hi. you're so welcome thank you for having me and asking uh it's it's nice to Nice to share, and uh, you know, get out of my own head for a while, and talk to other people that exist in the world. <laughs>